Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 50, the Big 5-0 of the Peristyle Podcast. What is the Peristyle Podcast? It is our weekly internet radio show talking all about USC football. Yes, this week we got a really special show for you. We have uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, as always, in our first segment. We're going to be talking a lot of recruiting with him and with Gerard Martinez, our uscfootball.com recruiting analyst. But we also have Charles Davis from the NFL Network. We'll be talking to him about how some of those USC seniors performed in the Senior Bowl, where he thinks they'll be drafted, stuff like that. So we got a lot of good stuff. If you haven't been to the Peristyle Podcast new homepage, we just updated it again today, peristylepodcast.com. You have your RSS feed. You can subscribe to it through iTunes, all this different stuff. So we have a new media player on there, so you can play it directly on the Peristyle Podcast page now. So you can download it uh, for MP3. You can subscribe to it, RSS. You can play it right on the page. There's a lot of different ways you can get the podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's podcast at uscfootball.com. And first up, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on, man? Buddy, it's recruiting time. We're down at our final week now of uh, National Letter of Intent. And, you know, I've always loved recruiting, and it's uh, really something exciting when you see if you've been working on some of these kids for two or three years and so on, and now you find out, Really, just what a verbal commit means. Yeah, well, we're going to pick your brain and get your insights on this because recruiting is such a huge topic, and there's so many recruiting fans out there. Some of the, the casual USC Trojan football fans maybe don't know much about recruiting, but once they start getting into it, it's like a drug. It can be very addicting. Uh, but I just wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment, Southern California Tickets. If you need some tickets for anything, go to sctickets.com. A lot of USC fans got to love that name, or give them a call, one 800 888 7287 if you need tickets for concerts, a theater, of course, any kind of sporting events, sctickets.com is a place to go. And it's not too late to get to the Super Bowl, so call Southern California Ticket Service. Uh, I'm tempted, Coach. I've never been to one, but I'm going to go to Vegas for a Super Bowl weekend, so I think it should be, should be a fun time. You're going up to Vegas, huh? Yeah, your neck of the woods. Yeah, my neck of the woods. I was there for about 25 straight Super Bowls and Super Bowl parties and brought in all the players from around the country and hosted these parties and so on. Uh, but uh, now I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I never got to see the game much because I was always talking with people. <laughs> but 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 now uh, I'm going to enjoy it uh, here at home and uh, watch it so that uh, – well, you know, I've I've had all the parties and I've been to games and stuff before. Now it's time to really enjoy the game. Well, now that you're the honorary mayor of uh, the city of Pasadena, you probably they probably throw a big party just in your name there. I would think. Yeah, my wife and I, <laughs> kids. It's it's that yeah, that's the people that I try to get the vote for me. And you know what? When we vote, it's never nat- unanimous. <laughs> the whole family. Hard. <laughs> Depends to... on the day, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coach. Well, here's the deal for people that don't know. Next Wednesday, a week from today, we'll have a very special show. I'm still putting uh, putting on some uh, finishing touches on it, but it should be a really interesting show. We'll have more information about that coming up. Uh, but it is National Letter of Intent Day. So if you don't follow recruiting, what that means is all the, cl- all the members of the class of 2009, so that means seniors that are graduating, 
this year. They'll be graduating this spring or whatever. Uh, they are eligible to sign with a college on Wednesday, February 4th. They don't have to sign that day, but that's the first day you can actually sign unless you graduate from high school early and you can come in and you can sign in January and you come into uh, spring you know, and, and participate in spring football. USC had one player do that, Matt Barkley, the quarterback out of modern day. Uh, but this is National Letter Intente when you can actually sign uh, players um, you know, that are high school players, the top players come in, and that's the first day they can sign. Now, up to two years ago, I mean, you, you could have a player that would commit to your school, and the, the USC would get verbal commits is what they call them. It's really, we'll talk about what that means. It doesn't really mean all that much because it just means that, hey, I'm going to go to your school unless someone else, you know, one, you know <laughs> I like more, and then I'm going to go to that school. But once you sign, then you, you can't get out of that unless there's, you know, there's some legal mumble jumbo you can go through. But the actual day you can sign, so it's kind of like Christmas for recruiting fans. It's a big deal. They want to know which player is going to sign where, and it's a week away, coach. So I guess maybe kind of give your thoughts. You know, you were a coach for years and years. What is it like on National Signing Day? And what's it like these last couple of weeks before signing day when all this stuff is going on? Well, as you can see, my dog's doing a little recruiting, too, <laughs> in the background. So for all of you out there, she is trying to do a little recruiting to make sure she gets in her final you know, words to all the recruits out there. But I apologize for that. But I want everyone to know that I like the system that it is now, but I don't like it, too. Uh, I mean, what I think now is it's gone a little bit too far. When you start recruiting 10th graders, 11th grader classes, they're talking about the 2010 class already. I mean, recruiting starts at such a young age now that it's unbelievable because a verbal commit, a kid can change his mind three or four times during that period of time. So I think it's important. And you as a coach and staff say, if we don't do it, somebody gets a jump on us. So you're never done now as a college coach. You're always recruiting. You're always speaking at clinics. You're always working on camps. You're always trying to get that extra... Uh, opportunity to talk to parents and recruits and so on at, at banquets. You're accepting banquet speaks. You're going to the high school and speaking at their football banquet. You're doing all the things that are necessary to tie up recruits. Now, I did that when I was coaching, and all my coaches did that. But at that time, it was different. We only recruited the senior class. We only recruited the players that were graduating at that time, uh, we did have some midterm graduates, but the ones who graduated, graduated in June. Now, at that time also, we didn't uh, fax the uh, national letter of intent to those student-athletes. We had to be there in person and sign on national signing date and f with the parents, and we couldn't do that until 7 o'clock in the morning. So that meant that Probably at a lot of the houses we went to, unless a kid was really solid, there'd be three or four coaches there. And we'd go in and we'd try to argue there with them to sign our national letter of intent. So, Coach, well, if, that does, well, huh? Coach if there was a player that you're definitely sure of, would you, were you almost like going after the players that were kind of wavering in the On mornings? The bubble. You're right. Okay. On well. the bubble. The ones that were for sure that we knew we were getting – uh, I would send a uh, an assistant coach to or someone that represented our university that would get it done, and he would call me and say, signed, sealed, and delivered, because that was expected. But on some of the recruits that were still trying to decide, I would be there, and I would get in my car, and I'd get there sometimes at 5 in the morning. I remember 
when I was recruiting a kid against Oklahoma, Barry Switzer pulls up in his limo, <laughs> and I'm in my Ford Taurus, okay? At <laughs> UNLV, and we're recruiting this kid out of Fontana High School. And uh, we sit there, and we talk, and Switzer, of course, a good friend of mine. And we went into the kid's house at the same time. I lost a kid uh, to Barry Switzer at Oklahoma, but uh, that's where it used to be. Wow. And so it so used now to you... Be also- yeah, now you have coaches there, kind of sitting in their office, waiting for the faxes to roll in. So it's a whole, a whole different ball game now. Right. It's it's where a kid can sit down on his own, a quiet period, uh, talk to his parents, maybe have a press conference at his school, have the school newspaper and the local newspaper there taking pictures as not only he signs, but the entire maybe class at that high school that they're going to different schools sign and they put it in the local newspaper and so on. So it's a lot different. Uh, I like that portion of it because you could have the edge the night before and then lose out the day of the signing. So uh, uh, right now is a very, very competitive time. Uh, Pete Carroll's flying all over the country. All the other coaches are flying all over the country trying to get the last conversation or the last extra effort in on some of these top recruits like this Kennard who just committed yesterday to USC, an outstanding player from Arizona, the number one defensive end in the country, which is a great coup for USC. And, and really when it came down two weeks ago, there was a lot of wavering going on on whether he had changed to go to Cal or LSU or Notre Dame or so on. So you're never sure until – and a strong commit at this time, this late period, is normally going to hold. It's the early commits on kids, like the Moore kid at SC and others, that watch and see the class grow, and then all of a sudden see Taylor Mays coming back and Pinkard getting another year eligibility, where that defensive back says, wow, they got the two best safeties in the country as far as freshmen, and then these two come back. I don't know if I want to go to USC. but And he decommitted, and now he's looking for another school. But... You know, I always used to say this, and I don't mean to be harsh on kids that decommit, but kids that decommit after they look at what's coming in are kids that didn't want the competition in the beginning. They early committed because they were excited that they got a scholarship from like USC or a school at that category, and they wanted to take it, but then as they saw the class continue to grow and them being a part of it, they started to lose faith in themselves. And rather than stay and understand that Pete Carroll evaluated you and he's giving you a $250,000 scholarship, let him decide whether you can play or not. So a lot of these decommits that come at the end are because they see other players committing at their same position and they don't have the confidence to go and commit uh, and compete. So sometimes you're better off in losing those players than to have those players come in and then leave you. And then that leaves you a old, a old, a, a hole in your recruiting class. So uh, it's going to be awesome. Recruiting is something I love to do. SC is on the verge of having a number one recruiting class in the country. They've got five five-stars, which are more than, by Rivals.com, more, more than any other five-stars in the country. Uh, there's two or three players there that if they happen to get those and they're on the bubble, bubble between them and another school, that it could be an awesome recruiting class. A, light, a little bit in uh, 
offensive linemen and defensive linemen, but they had good years last year in the offensive line and defensive line. So uh, when you look at it overall-wise, I think it's going to be an excellent class. Yeah, definitely, Coach. It could certainly be number one. We're going to talk with Gerard Martinez, get some more info on all that as well. And and it's it's funny what you talked about. You know, the, the first commit USC had for the class of 2009 was Morell Presley way over a year ago. He committed, and he had since decommitted. Um, you got guys like Randall Carroll, who was an early commit, a receiver that USC wants to play defensive back. He decommitted. He could still, you know, obviously come back and sign with USC. And you mentioned Byron Moore, someone I'd been down to a couple of his games this year. And he decommitted from UCLA, made USC fans happy. Now he decommitted, but he could still, you know, he still apparently has USC in his top three. So those are guys that decommitted. So in, in those cases, it could even be a fact of, you know, you want to get that kind of attention. If you commit early, you're not going to get as much attention as a like a Devon Kennard well he's a stud anyway but someone that signs late you're going to get a lot more attention so do you think coach maybe some of this could be like a cry for attention well it could be but I tell you it's a dangerous thing to do because if I'm Pete Carroll or if I'm a coach and say one of those kids decommit and I happen to get a player that I evaluate higher than him if you play that game with me too long and you call me and you say you know coach I say change my mind I do want to come I might tell you you know what, we don't need you any longer. I've got someone to replace you. So, you know, you, you take a chance when you decommit because uh, when a school commits to you, commits to you in writing, that means they want you. Now, if you decommit, and let's say I continue to go out and recruit, let's say I'm getting someone that I didn't think I was going to get when I offered you this scholarship, you might call me up and say, Coach, I, I want to come back, and I might say, do you want to walk on or do you want to sit out a year? Because I've used that scholarship. So, you know, you play a dangerous game if you're trying to get some type of notoriety and you might be going to another school that you really didn't want to go to, but you played that silly game. Now, did that happen a lot to you? I mean, we're, we're I mean, I, there's a lot more media attention now, so people know more about you know, verbals and who's committed where. Did you guys have a lot of decommits just like it, it happens nowadays in the modern recruiting world? Not really. We would always have a few. That always happened. But, uh, you know, I would always say, if you don't want to come and play with us now, then when we play against you, you really didn't think you could beat us anyway. So that means when we line up and play against you, just chalk one up in the left-hand corner for you. You know, Pete Carroll. For the right hand corner, excuse me. Yeah, Pete Carroll seems to get into that. I just remember certain commits like uh, Lamar Woodley, who's doing amazing for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll be playing the Super Bowl on Sunday. USC was really close on him, uh, you know, between USC and Michigan, and Pete Carroll really wanted him, and it seemed like he wanted to come, and then he ended up going to Michigan. And, you know, Carroll would say, you know, we're going to beat you in the Rose Bowl, and he did, you know, a couple of <laughs> So it's kind of funny where, I mean, Pete Carroll's so competitive. I can just see him doing that to recruits. If they don't pick USC, I could almost see him wanting to go after those kids. Like, we got to play at school somehow and show this kid he made a mistake. No, and I want to tell you the truth. Uh, it sticks in a kid's mind. It makes an impression. When a kid decommits and goes to another school, especially in your conference and so on, and you had a chance to go to USC, you always have second thoughts on that. You know, I could have been a part of the Rose Bowl. I could have been a part of the national championship game, or I could have been a part of this or that or whatever. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to be happy where they go to school, but you always have that in your mind, and when you play against them, you try to get yourself motivated to play against them, but you secretly know in your mind that I couldn't play there or I would have gone there. 
And that sort of gives you a defeatist attitude and takes away the edge that you need to beat USC. I really believe that, or schools of that caliber. And I used to live, play on that a lot when I coached and so on. Or I, I would even tell our team before we went out, there's a lot of players on this team that were playing today that had a chance to come to USC or come to my school at UNLV or wherever I was coaching, and they decided to go elsewhere. Let's prove them wrong today. Let's prove them that they wish they were on our sideline and not their sideline. Let's take a field. Let's go, guys. So, you know, there's different ways of utilizing it. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, I guess, another one that pops up. And there's there's several, of course, that, that have done that over the years. Uh, one, and they've one, done, and, they, and they've been very successful. Deshaun Jock, Jackson, uh, how can you do have a better year than what he did? You know what I mean? No, it was great, but he couldn't beat USC, which was what I no, think. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. But he got tattooed a couple of times. Yeah. You know, he'll never forget those hits. <laughs> uh, one other thing, coach, I want to talk about is uh, how have evaluations changed? And if for the fans out there. Uh, Pete Carroll loves to do a lot of uh, in-person evaluations, and there's a lot of NCAA rules of when you can, you know, check kids out or call them or you know, text. There's all kinds of rules, uh, but you know, Pete Carroll will have his camps. Um, they'll have football camps at USC, so he can watch the guys with his staff. Watch, you know, the, they'll have some of the top players in the country. It's like an all-star camp when Pete Carroll has his rising star camp come in there, and a lot of these big-name players come in. And he gets to evaluate them in person. You also get to, you know, people send in tapes. They'll send in their highlight tapes. You can watch, you know, what they did in high school. And, of course, now with the Internet, there's a lot of recruiting services out there, you know, like Rivals.com, which USCFootball.com is a part of. And, you know, if you just go to Rivals, you, you know, besides having all the top players ranked, they have their Rivals 100, their Rivals 250, you know, they go five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, stuff like that. I mean, you can click on just about any player in the country that's that's good in being recruited by, you know, more than one Division One school. There'll be photos. There'll be video. You can actually just go in on the Internet and do your own evaluations watching all this stuff. I mean, obviously, you didn't have that kind of stuff back then. How has evaluations changed from when, you know, when you were coaching to now? Well, it's it's changed a lot because uh, parents even get active and join services and put portfolios together and these services videotape them and make these videotapes available and there's services now that you can buy as a school or university you buy these services and you you bring in and you they already have all the players evaluated with their they send around uh, uh, region uh, directors during the football season why you why you can't recruit and they go out and watch all these games and go to all the practices and so on and get all their names, the addresses, their heights, their weights, their 40 speeds. And they have these services, and they put them all together, and they sell these services to universities as they're the same type of services that sell those services to the NFL as they go around and collect their information. So those services assist universities in giving them the names of certain best players in conferences or who they rank as the best quarterback in the state or their region and so on and so on and so on and supply you with videos so you can save a lot of time in your office before you even leave campus in evaluating films. You don't have to sometimes ask for you know material sent to you, but you have it all already. The parents have already filled it out. Now, in my day, we had to go out and collect all that material, or call on the phone and collect all that material. So a lot of that work you can buy now, and it's already done for you. Or there's websites out there on the kid where you can go and look it up. Parents put up their own website on their son. 
and have the videos there and so on and everything. So uh, it's a lot easier, but it's, there's no secrets anymore. Before, like when I recruited Randall Cunningham or Terrell Davis or Icky Woods, no one really knew about Icky Woods. I mean, he was at Edison High School, didn't play senior year, ran track. No one knew who he was. Fresno State wanted him to walk on. I talked to him, offered him a scholarship because I was so impressed on how fast he ran in track and being a big guy. I said, Ick, I want you to come and be a fullback for us or a running back at UNLV. There, there aren't those secrets anymore. Or Terrell Davis out of Lincoln High School. I went down there and I was recruiting at that time for Georgia Allen, Long Beach State, and set in the locker room. They had gone all 0 and 11 that year. And, you know, I said, you don't have any players, but I got great players, but I always come by here because I love to talk to you. And, he, and I said, who's that kid over there, that good-looking kid? And they said, Coach, that's Terrell. his name's Terrell. I said, well, what's he getting ready for? To go out to track. I said, what type of athlete is he? And he says, Coach, he's the best athlete we've had here at this school. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You had Marcus Allen, Lincoln High School. And I got out there. He says, Coach, he can match Marcus. He is a great player. And I, he says, well, I said, well, why isn't anybody recruiting him? He says, because we were so bad that we played him at full fullback, nose guard, linebacker, anything. We had to play him everywhere. And I said, well, what's he doing track? And they said, oh, he runs the sprints. Shot puts and long jumps. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> he says, yeah, and he's the best at all of them. And I said, i got to talk to that kid. So I talked to that kid, and I made an agreement with uh, George Allen at that time that I would coach him, and I did. I made him a running back because he had never been, uh, you know, had a position really. And I was the recruiting coordinator at that time and associate head coach with George Allen. And, and I said, no one can mess with this kid. He's my project. So coach watched him as he was part of our uh, team, and he says, I want to play that kid. I want to play that kid. He's got to play. He called him a rookie. I said, no, we're not playing this rookie coach. I made a promise to him. I'm going to teach him how to be a running back. So he grew and became bigger and stronger, and he, his greatness started to show. He gained confidence. And then what happened is Coach Allen passed away. I didn't want the head job in Long Beach State. Terrell transferred to Georgia. And when he transferred to Georgia, it was the same situation. Eric Zier was the quarterback there. They were throwing the ball every down, throwing the ball every single down, and he never had a chance hardly to run the ball at all. And I called all the NFL coaches, and I said, draft this kid, draft this kid. I called all my friends. He'll play special teams. He'll do anything. Well, finally, Denver drafted him as the 191st player in the fifth round. Look what happened. I'm going to say this, and I know John Elway's a great player, but John Elway would not have won two Super Bowls if Terrell Davis wasn't on his team. He couldn't win a Super Bowl without Terrell. Wow. Great story, Coach. Thanks. That's, that's the kind of stuff we like to hear from the Coach Harvey Hyde. I don't even know that one. That's great. Yeah, that's a true story. There's a lot of them like that, Icky Woods and these guys. See, but today there's no secrets like that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's hard. I mean, because there's there's so much yeah. evaluations going on, and uh, you know, you, yeah. you you get somewhat sleepers, but as soon as people get on them, people hear, hear about them, and then they get offered by more people, and then they move up the ranks and stuff. It's harder right, to keep a sleeper, right. and they don't stay around. But unfortunately, coach, we're out of time. But thank, this is great. I can't wait to talk to you on signing day. We're gonna have some great stuff going on next week. Right, and thank you, and I can't wait to talk to you Thursday night. You're going to be on the USC Trojan Talk uh, show with me. I will, coming up to the Burger Continental in Pasadena. I'll be on with you tomorrow night. Can you imagine? You're looking forward to gaining five pounds. <laughs> 
was a lot of I'm food up feed there. you well, Ryan. <laughs> awesome. Well, Coach, thanks again so much, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you very much, and let's thank Southern California Ticket Service. SCTickets.com. If you need tickets for anything, check them out. And everyone else, one-minute short break. We'll be back to talk with Gerard Martinez and more USC recruiting. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast, where we are talking more recruiting, and we have uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez joining us by phone. Gerard, thank you very much for taking the time. Appreciate uh, being on the podcast. I'm, I'm kind of a little wary, though. You said that uh, you're talking more recruiting. You're talking recruiting without me? We talked a little bit with uh, Harvey Hyde. He gave some insights on what he did back when he was recruiting and how it's different and stuff. There's some interesting stuff. And, uh, he Before actually, the Internet. <laughs> huh? Before the Internet, yeah. He, uh, inter- he uh, recruited Terrell Davis uh, to Long Beach State before he ended up transferring to Georgia. And it was a pretty interesting story. But, yeah, it's kind of comparing what it was like back in the day before all the, you know, rivals.coms and stuff were out there and he said it's definitely harder to get a sleeper through nowadays than it was back then because now, you know, when someone gets a hold of somebody, everybody knows about it. Yeah, it's uh it being that's the internet. I mean, the internet has definitely made the information get out quicker and uh, you have these little small towns and you know, somebody writes about a kid in the newspaper and then uh, somebody reads that newspaper online and bada boom bada bing, hey, that kid's got an offer from Old Miss, or that kid's got an offer from LSU, you know, and then everybody else wants to recruit the kid too. So yeah, definitely uh, dissemination of information is uh, it's 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 more widespread and it's definitely quicker. But I think even USC's found some sleepers. Now they don't stay sleepers long. Like that, you can't sign one that you like. Oh, I found this kid at this little high school that was 0 and 11, and uh, he's like the best player on the team, which is what pretty much happened with Terrell Davis. Um, but if you know, as soon as you start recruiting, and people are going to find out about it. But you, you know, it, you you can find sleepers; they just don't stay sleepers as long, I would think. Now, and USC's done a pretty good job of finding some guys recently, I think. And even in this class, there's a couple. Well, it's a sleeper nowadays is usually a kid that um, you know nobody recruits early on, and then at the end, maybe a big school will will try to recruit them and, and get them. You you can't be USC. Uh, you, you can't be a big name school, Oklahoma, Florida, and give a kid a scholarship, you know, over the summer and have him be a sleeper because everybody, there are schools out there that just follow scholarships. And once a kid has so many scholarships, 
that's when the rankings follow, and it's just kind of a, a mob mentality in terms of uh, you know who's going after him and how much attention he's going to receive. So uh, sleepers are more guys nowadays. When you talk about a sleeper prospect, it seems like those guys don't really pop up anymore until December, January. I mean, you just cannot have a sleeper in May. It's just too early in the process anymore. Um, like I said, the dissemination of information it comes out much faster and it hits. And if you got a guy who gets an offer over the summer, man, there's a lot of time for where, where everybody hears about that, and then other schools are going to come in after him, and he's not going to be a sleeper anymore. Uh, Simeone Laikite is a guy that could be considered a sleeper. USC just offered him in December, uh, but now you got Washington after him, you got UCLA after him. Uh, it's almost hard to call him a sleeper anymore because you've got other schools now going after him, and they want him too. Uh, still a two-star guy, so you know a lot of people feel like, hey, you know, he for what USC wants him to do could come in and be very successful as a fullback. And then in that manner, yeah, you can say he's kind of a sleeper prospect, but it's a relative term. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know Pete Carroll's been able to find a couple of guys like that, and as soon as he identifies them. Even if it's late, like you said, in December, other people are going to get on him. But, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job. And I think even the kicker coming in, I don't think, no, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't all that highly recruited, right? The uh, Jake Harpin? Yeah. Yeah, he actually had some good scholarship offers. Auburn, Georgia, oh, okay, uh, Louisville. Um, he had some, it's just, well, and then that's, you know, a kicker. You know, I, I, I admittedly don't really know much about kickers and the recruiting process for kickers. <laughs> they go to, you know, usually summer camps, and that's usually where somebody sees them and they start to get scholarship offers from some of these camps and their video gets out. But, you know, kickers are, you're, you're really rarely going to see a four-star kicker. I mean, that's rare. I don't know if we even have any four-star kickers this year nationally for Rivals.com. So you, you get a guy who's a three-star kicker, that's like the best kicker in the nation. I think uh, USC's kicker this year, Jake Harfman uh, from Mount Sac, uh, Mount San Antonio College, is actually a two-star kicker. And people go, oh, why is he only a two-star? Well, in you know the grand scheme of things, it seems like kickers are not necessarily on the same star system as you know other players. Right. Oh, that makes sense. All right. Well, the big news this week uh, came out. We, were, we had Rivals.com was down there in the desert early on Tuesday morning, and if you've checked out uscfootball.com in the last two days, there's usually between of our four top headline spots, three or four of them have been taken up by one Devon Kennard, uh, the four-star, five, I'm sorry, excuse me, five-star defensive end, the highest-ranked defensive end. According to Rivals.com, the number eight player in the country. Uh, we had a bunch of interviews. We had a bunch of behind-the-scenes video, all kinds of stuff on Devon Kennard and his commitment Long time people thought he was definitely going to be committed to USC, but when uh, Jethro Franklin came in and, and replaced Nick Holt for a defensive line coach, and you know, leaving obviously Holt being the defensive coordinator, kind of shook things up a little bit. A lot of Trojan fans were really worried that Kennard was going to go someplace else, Cal, Texas, something like that. But in the end, USC got him. What were your kind of your overall thoughts on uh, that whole process? Great get. Um, it was close. You know, I had a chance to talk to Devon in depth. Um, the other night, actually, you know, uh, over the weekend and then uh, last night, and I talked to his brother, and I've known Devon for about two, almost three years now, and it was really close. Uh, people don't realize that it, he kind of went back and forth on this decision, and, you know, I think USC always was in a good position uh, to get his commitment, but they were never a really large lead, I think, really made up, which people kind of assumed um, the important thing was the, you know, with Nick Holt going on to Washington, um, he had a good relationship with Nick Holt, but it was more of a relationship of comfort. He knew Nick Holt. He knew what Nick Holt was saying to him. He knew what Nick Holt's plan was. And when Nick Holt went on to Washington, 
it really kind of made him take a step back. And he told me, you know, just the other night, um, that he thought maybe that was a sign from God that he shouldn't go to USC. And he said, you know, maybe this was something, you know, that, that was fate, it was destiny, this happened for a reason, and he came close to maybe not going to USC because that happened. And that's how close he was on these things. You know, there was definitely, you know, a feeling of, you know, I can go to Texas, I can kind of be, uh, there's a great position there with Brian Arakapo going on, and he likes the program, he liked Austin. The problem with Texas was just he was unfamiliar with a lot of what goes on with Texas in terms of their schedule, being familiar with some of the other teams. You know, just he, he's just not familiar with the Big 12. He's a Pac-10 kid. He's grown up watching Pac-10 football, and he's more in tune with uh, the teams and the traditions and the things that go on with the Pac-10. So that was kind of the big issue with Texas. But he liked Texas enough where he was seriously thinking, gosh, I just like that school. If it was just me in the Pac-10, I think Texas may have actually got him. Cal, it was a great situation because he really built up a great relationship with the Cal coaches. And, you know, like he had with Holt, he had a really comfortable relationship with them. And he felt like he could talk to them well. Uh, And then what Cal wanted them to do was play the outside linebacker position. And that was just always something that he wasn't really – sure about. He was enamored with the thought of maybe playing outside linebacker and, and kind of being that uber-athlete guy that plays on the edge and attacks and, and makes things happen. It was a great sales pitch, but in the end of the day, he wasn't necessarily comfortable with you know, fitting into that position and playing a new position. Um, so, you know, it kind of bounced back to USC, and a lot was riding on the in-home visit that Rocky Seto and Jethro Franklin had with he and his family. That was huge, and it really couldn't be understated enough. Jethro Franklin... It was bottom of the ninth. Uh, you know, he had the three outs, and, and USC was down a run basically at that point. He had to hit a home run, and he did. And he really came in. And it was funny because I talked to Devon after that visit, and he really didn't talk much about Jethro Franklin. Um, but I talked to him just last night, and we really kind of went more in depth, in depth about, you know, what Jethro Franklin brought to the table. And Jethro sat down and talked with he and his brother about schemes, about X's and O's, about technique, and really laid his expertise on the line, his ability to coach, his experience. And they felt good with that. They felt good and comfortable. His parents liked his personality. He was really on the line. That was really going to be an important visit, and I think that was kind of the clincher for USC, and he felt good about USC after that point and went ahead and made the commitment. But it was really a lot closer than a lot of people think, and um, it's a huge gift for him. You know, this is a kid that's just a, just a fantastic kid, and, uh, you know, he works so hard, and he's got all that awareness. He, he's not just physically a great player. He's a guy that I think disposition-wise is going to come in USC. He's going to want to compete. He's going to want to get better, and uh, he's going to fit right in. The transition will be easier for him because he just he gets it. He understands that he has the right attitude. Yeah, and academically, he's he's good, too. He's got, like, a really high GPA. And just for the baseball aficionados out there, you said three outs in the bottom ninth. I think you meant two outs. But, that, you know, just we'll just clear that. Oh, yeah, right. three yeah, three outs would mean that USC was actually uh, out of it altogether. Yeah, I hate baseball. Everybody out there, I freaking hate baseball. I don't watch baseball. So, yeah, that would be why I was, uh, I was off on that. No, no, no worries, no worries. All right, um, so, yeah, great get for USC. I think they get a good football player, a good person, and a good student. So I think it's going to be a, a good fit, kind of a coach's dream, I guess you could say. Um, now, the, the other, there's another five-star linebacker uh, that has been committed to USC for quite a while, Vontez Perfect. You were down there at Centennial High School. I mean, he's, this kid's just a tackling machine. Uh, but obviously, there's some academic issues. 
with him. He's taken some courses on the internet and stuff, but you got to go down there and talk to him in person actually today. Well, can you give us an update on what was going on there? Uh, it's, um, well, you know, I, like I talked about, uh, bomb the ninth three outs. Well, that, that actually might be USC's position at this point with Vontez Burfitt. Um, it's, uh, you know, just talking with him about his, uh, his visits to Arizona state, which was two weeks ago and USC last weekend. Um, you know, we, we just kind of chatted a little bit about things and, uh, he's really feeling, I think, better with Arizona state. Uh, the academic situation is a complicated situation, and it feel, I think at this point he just doesn't feel comfortable that he's going to make it into USC. Arizona State has done a really good job of, uh, of kind of conveying to him that he won't have problems qualifying for Arizona State. And once he gets in Arizona State, once he gets into college, he feels like once he gets his foot in the door there, he's going to have a good chance at the NFL. And it just seems like at this point he's very wary of being able to, to do that at USC. He feels like he might go you know, junior college. Um, you know, the visit at USC, he, he rated it a 6. Um, the visit at Arizona State, he rated it at 8.5. Just, I, mean, I think overall, just being able to talk to him in person, just the body language, he just doesn't feel USC right now. And, and I mean, that might change. USC's got an in-home visit coming up, uh, I think Thursday. And today, yes, uh, Lubick was down there for ASU. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to talk, and, and there's going to be some, some things that have to be discussed. Uh, it's not a done deal. He said it was kind of 60-40 ASU right now. But from just listening to him talk and kind of just getting a vibe from – um, you know, talking about those two different schools, I think it's probably a little more of a lead for ASU uh, than even that. So not, uh, not great news for USC. I mean, they need linebackers bad. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I kind of put it, I said, you know, if you, if you commit to, uh, to ASU, you know, hypothetically, let's say that, you know, you've, you've committed, you committed to ASU, what are the reasons you've committed to ASU? First thing out of his mouth with academics. And just, you know, Trojan fans will go pull their hair out when they hear that because, you know, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, they, they feel uh, that the USC has really good academics and there's more prestige there. That's not what he was saying. I mean, he's saying that, uh, I guess, ASU academically is a little more attainable, that there's, uh, it's just an easier transition for him to get an ASU because he's had uh, teammates that have had bad grades in the past. Um, have uh, been able to get in ASU with no problem. Um, Ryan Bass, uh, Brandon McGee, um, Shelly Lyons, they've, they've been guys that have not necessarily been great grades-wise and, and had no problem getting in ASU. And I think that is where he kind of is following in the line with ASU when he talks about academics. He didn't necessarily mean prestige. He just meant that he felt the academic support there um, and, and the transition there would be easier for him for ASU. And he felt like, you know, just playing time, he'd be able to kind of walk in and start almost right away without a, a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of competition. Uh, according to him, there's only one guy in front of him, and there's a, a, another middle linebacker that's a, a walk-on. Um, so he'd be able to kind of step in almost right away and play, um, you know, the path of least resistance, you know, if you will. Uh, with USC, I say, okay, let's say it flips, and, and all of a sudden you have a change of heart, and you feel like you want to go to USC. What are the reasons you're going to commit to USC? And he kind of was like, uh uh, and then there was a pause there, and, and he was trying to, you know, think of a reason. And I guess, you know, the main reason being, you know, if I, if I went to USC and I, and I started at middle linebacker, I would be probably like one of the best players in the nation. So kind of, you know, um, acknowledging the, the, the success level of USC and kind of how the NFL scouts look at USC, 
compared to maybe ASU, you know, that perceived, uh, you know, if you're, you're a starter at USC, you're probably going to go in the first round versus you start at ASU. Maybe there's a little more question as to whether you're, you know, one of the best players in the nation or not. But definitely um, seems like ASU right now. We'll see, uh, you know, how it comes down. He's thinking about making a, uh, a decision here maybe over the weekend. Um, he's going to be on Channel 2, evidently. He said he was going to be on CBS, actually, for some type of signing day show and doing something for that. So we'll have to, you know, keep an eye out for that. But uh, it's going to probably come down to this official visit and uh, what, uh, or excuse me, this uh, in-home visit that he has Thursday with USC. And they're going to get the last crack at him. Um, so we'll see if it uh, – if they can, uh, they can hit that uh, that big home run to stick with the anti-baseball theme here. <laughs> all right. Wow. Well, all right. So, got co- co- lots of good info and a couple of big five-star guys. Uh, we do have a question I wanted to get to if we could do that from Sam Kim. As long as it's not about baseball, I'm it right is, on. Yeah, he wanted to know where Manny Ramirez was going. No, okay. So can the Dodgers? I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear about that from Dan, like because Dan's like a big baseball guy. So. He does. He loves. Yeah. He loves. Uh, I think he loves the Detroit Tigers. I hate baseball. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we don't have Dan on this week, so everyone out there, you know, you can send. Don't send me thank you no, emails for not having Dan on the podcast this week. Dan's at home crying himself to sleep right now if he can't be on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty rough for him. But uh, here's a question. So, for, it's a two part question. One is, Orson Charles is a guy you talked about, uh, a guy that uh, a tight end would be coming in uh, officially visiting after signing day, which is next week. Um, do you, do you, he wanted to know if there's any other guys that would do that and why would they come in so late? And then the other question is, uh, what is the weak spot in this recruiting class? He mentioned like defensive back, linebacker, tight end. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, well, first part of the question, uh, yeah, Orson Charles is coming in uh, February 6th. Uh, there's a chance that uh, Bryce Brown comes in after signing day. Why they would come in after signing day? Well, signing day is actually the first day that recruits can sign a letter of intent. It's not the last day. It's the first day. So they actually have um, you know, a period from February 6th to I think it's like late March or maybe even April uh, where they can sign a letter of intent anytime they want. So, uh, you know, you saw with 12 prior number one recruit in the nation last year. He waited to the very end to actually uh, sign his letter of intent. It dragged out all the way through spring. So, um, so with that said, I mean, there's no necessarily – they don't have to sign a letter of intent February. Um, it's a fourth is actually the day of the, second, the first Wednesday of February. Um, that's just the first day they can, and it's, like, good to kind of get it over with. You've gone through the recruiting process. Do you really want to have – you know, more phone calls and, and, and visits and all that stuff. You know, most kids just don't want to prolong the process that much. Um, so it's more of a reason of getting it done early than letting it wait. But, um, you know, recruits, they want to come in, you know, February or March or whenever they want to do it. I, I don't think there's an issue with that. Cool. And then the second part would be, where do you think the weak spot is? The second part of the question, um, the weak part, of it, it's going to be a little iffy because, you know, signing day, there's going to be a couple guys that they're going to be waiting on. We'll have to see what happens with Vontez Perfect. I mean, that could become a weak spot if, if they don't get Vontez Perfect and maybe a guy like Jarvis Jones doesn't come in and something falls through with a ten, Frankie Telford. You know, that, things can change really quick. I mean, this is the way the recruiting process is, and, you know, people are starting, I think, realize that, especially it, it seems every year it becomes more like that. Uh, I think right now, looking at it, offensive line is a little – they could probably use another body on the offensive line. They've got two offensive line commitments right now. John Martinez uh, from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, who's probably going to play center about 6'2", about 
280, um, and then they have uh, Kevin Graff, who's been committed for you know over a year at this point, 6'6", about 310. Uh, he's uh, could play right tackle, probably play guard. Uh, he's from a girl high school here locally. Um, two good players, uh, rivals, 100-level guys. Uh, they're also going after Xavier Sufilo, and he's also from Utah, about 6'4", 285, maybe a right tackle, maybe a guard also. But I'm hearing, you know, that, that Utah's making a real big play on him. And USC might be on the outside looking in. So if they don't get Suofilo, then it becomes, well, you know what, they could have used a third guy. Stan Haziak, the latest I heard, he's probably not going to visit USC. He's a 6'6", 315, well, he's more like a 330-pound um, offensive lineman from uh, Kapaloi High School in Hawaii. He goes to the same high school as uh, Simeone Vahikite, who uh, they both took official visits to Washington last week and talked to their head coach. It sounded like that Washington visit really confused Stanley Haziak more and he was thinking maybe he wants to take his last visit to USC. Uh, now, thus far, he's already committed to UCLA, decommitted from UCLA, committed to Cal. He's still committed to Cal at this point. But, uh, again, you know, his head coach at Kapaloi High School kind of gave me the impression that it was it was an open ball game again and kind of could go anywhere. So we'll have to see what happens with him. But, yeah, I think USC would like to bring in a third lineman. Um, tight end, speaking of Orson Charles, is probably maybe the one position they really, really wanted somebody this year. Because when I mean, you look at the depth chart, and people kind of forget, you know, everybody's talking about Blake Ailes. Like, oh, they got Blake Ailes. Don't worry about it. Blake Ailes is one player. You know, they signed him last year. Uh, he's a freshman. They also have Ray Ellison, who's a redshirt freshman, um, who will be, you know, a sophomore, redshirt sophomore next year. And then they have Anthony McCoy. Well, Anthony McCoy is going to be a senior next year. So Anthony McCoy is going to move on. You have two tight ends on the roster. Uh, after next year, and that's that's cutting it a little close. I mean, you want to have four guys, I think, on the roster because you're going to play a lot of sets with two tight ends. Sometimes you play three tight end sets with a pro offense. So, yeah, they would like to. They had Marl Presley committed. Marl Presley, obviously, hopefully, hopefully everybody's following along. <laughs> he committed. He's already enrolled at UCLA. He's off the table. They're bringing in Orson Charles. Orson Charles would be a great get for them at this point. I mean, that would be really icing on the cake. Is it going to happen? You know, it, it, it's not completely out of uh, out of out of the question. I, I think uh, you know, I've heard people talk like he's this really big long shot. I think it's more of a a sixty forty thing. Uh, maybe sixty percent he stays in the south, forty percent he gets wild by USC and decides to commit by USC. But he's liked USC for for a while. This is not just a, a recent thing where they just offered him in December and all of a sudden, wow, I like USC. I want to go visit there. Or he was calling USC and saying, hey, I want to take an official visit, which often happens at the end of the process, and it's just a free trip to LA. There's been conversation with Orson Charles. Uh, throughout the year, you know, 6'3", 230 pounds. We saw him at the Army All-American uh, game. Just a, a spectacular-looking athlete. I mean, he looks like an NFL linebacker right now. Great hands. He's fast. Uh, it's just he's not necessarily the prototypical tight end because he's only about 6'2", 6'3". If he was, you know, 6'4", legitimate, legitimately 6'5", then, yeah, you're talking about a guy who's all the way across the board of tight end. But that's the real question about him. Is he more of a, an H-back, F-slot guy? I think Rivals.com actually rates him as a receiver right now. Don't know about that, but um, but uh, but but nonetheless, would be a great guy to be able to get in at that tight end position because they can, they kind of need a guy to, to come in and uh, um, be able to to be there in the waiting here to maybe be a guy that can play on the other side uh, of a two two tight end set with uh, Blake Ailes. Yeah, they don't have like a, a Jimmy Miller or a Dale Thompson, someone that was kind of more of a blocking guy. So they don't they don't really well, have Red Ellison. Red Ellison brings some of that to the table. Red Ellison is a is a hard nosed dude, and he's going to be a really good player for USC. He's going to be but a he's guy. A, he's a pass catcher, though. You know, I mean. He, he definitely can catch the ball. 
Oh, no, he can catch a ball, but he can block. He, uh, hey, listen, I, I love Blake Ellis as much as anybody. Blake Ellis is going to be a great player at USC. Blake Ellis is still learning to block. Ryan Ellison is, is a very good blocker. He's a guy who's got a nasty streak on him, too. I mean, in that Rose Bowl, he was blocking guys, you know, 20 yards downfield, throwing them into the sidelines. He's got that kind of chip on his shoulder, a little nasty streak. Um, you know, Blake has still uh, got the long hair, flowing blonde hair, running through his <laughs> routes and he likes to be pretty, and he's he's he, but he's going to get it too. I mean, there's the, not necessarily a problem with the quality of talent at USC, but the quantity. You know, when those guys gets banged up, and and Blake had an injury this year that kept him out most of the year. You know, all of a sudden, you're down to two guys, and that's that's tough. You know, a tight end, that's tough because this is a position that you no longer just have one guy playing. It's a two. It's, it's often you're going to have two tight ends in a set, uh, especially if you want to run the ball in USC next year. Well, they're going to want to run the ball a lot, especially with the inexperienced, inexperienced quarterback. So they'd like to have a little more depth, I think, at that position. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff as always. Unfortunately, we're out of time. It goes quickly. Um, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we're going to have some special next week for signing day. We haven't figured out exactly how we're going to do it yet, but it should be good. Definitely stay tuned next week. We will have signing day covered all over the place, and Gerard will definitely be a big part of that. I will be. I yeah. think. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You let, I, I know as much as, as Ryan knows about what we're going to be doing. So uh, we're putting yeah, it together. Point, we're, we're putting I, it together. Uh, cool. All right. Well, thanks very much, and everyone else. We're gonna have a really short break, and we have a special guest, Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox Sports. And we talk all about the USC players in the Senior Bowl. So stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, and as promised, we have a very special guest. For the first time on the show, we have Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox Sports. He talks all about college football. He's a college football guru, and we're uh, happy to have him on the show today. Thanks very much for joining us, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. I get to uh, see you during the... uh, college football season on the show college football now it's always great fun and uh, all the people on the message board seem to like what you have to say on the show so it's good stuff well that's awfully nice of them i appreciate it. and we always appreciate you coming on and dropping that knowledge on us and, and <laughs> the best part is it's not just usc related although that's a concentration we can ask you anything and you're up on it we appreciate that oh no problem well thank you very much and uh well, let's get into uh you were down there for the senior bowl mobile alabama and uh just wanted to get first off your overall thoughts how important it's a game like this. Obviously, it's a big game for all the seniors there, but so many NFL personnel are down there. How, how important is it for these guys? No, it's very important for those that are in attendance and always get a kick out of uh, people saying, oh, well, you know, this isn't all that important. They just have to show up and blah, blah, blah. It's not really true. Uh, that may have been at one point in time, but but I don't see that at all now, Ryan. I see this as an extremely important job audition. And as I told players, I said, you know, I'm going to sound like your dad's now, but every move you make down here, someone's watching you. And I don't want you to feel like it's big brother, 
But there are so many people, so many scouts, so many front office people. I mean, we literally, in, in Mobile, every year you literally have team owners all the way down to area scouts that are there, you know, watching everything, just observing. A lot of it is just the casual part of it. They just want to see how guys handle themselves in groups, who gravitates towards a certain person, you know, what players keep totally to themselves and see if they can ascertain as to why, you know, who has a smile, who's angry. You know, all those things that you don't even think about when you go through your normal day. But they're, they're checking all those things out, not to mention all the tests that they have to go through, the you know the psychological evaluations, the regular team questionnaires. Then you get onto the practice field. Before you even do that, you get the physicals and all that. It's extremely important, and it, and it goes through every aspect of what you do down there. From the time you land in Mobile until the time you leave, there's an evaluation process going on. And I'm not sure that I could totally impress that upon all the players. It's, it's hard to really get your mind around that, Ryan. You know, we were thinking, hey, you know, I just went downstairs and grabbed the cheeseburger. Someone saw that and made an observation. The answer is yes. And it's hard to believe, but it's true. It's very important. Yeah, I mean, when I was down there last year, unfortunately, I didn't make it this year. But you could be in the hotel lobby where the bar was and there was guys getting interviewed. I mean, we would go to, you know, someplace afterwards and I ran into freaking, you know, Jerry Jones and you could, right. it's, it's from the low level scouts to the, the, the billionaire owners. They're all there looking at these guys. The whole league in a sense moves in that direction. The, you know, sons really the two teams that are involved at that point, or I should say the four teams that are involved in the conference championships. And then of course the two that remain for the Super Bowl. But even those teams send at least scouts down. You know, you may not get the front-level people because they're still involved in conference championship games. And every year, if the conference championship games, that's the Sunday that the bulk of people arrive. So, so some of those scouts are there, and you can see everybody watching and, you know, enjoying the games before they actually get down to the, the big stuff and the big work. But you're exactly right. The whole league kind of moves to Mobile. And as you said, you can see Jerry Jones one moment, Bill Parcells the next moment, you know, and just go right on down the line. And, and it's hard to miss anyone if you spend any time, that's for sure. Now, it was great because you could watch a lot of the practices on the NFL Network, and I tried to – I chucked out as many of those as I could. Uh, the USC players were playing on the South team, and they were practicing in the uh, afternoons. But how important is it – I mean, it, people sometimes say the game isn't all that important. It's more about the practices. Do you think that's the way it is down there? You know, I think it's a degree, and I really do. I think what happens is, depending on the player and the body of work that player brings to the Senior Bowl, certain things are a little more important. And let's go ahead and take a couple of USC guys in particular, all right? Ray Maluga and Brian Cushing, you know, let's say Maluga more so, brought the, probably the best body of work out of those three linebackers, okay, between Cushing, uh, Matthews Jr., and Maluga, all right? This is it's just put that on the table. Ma Luke is probably the guy who had less questions to answer going to the senior bowl. They wanted to see how he would work. They wanted to see all that. But overall, let's say he had a bad senior bowl week. I don't think it kills off Ray Maluga and the opinion that's been formed in the most in, in the in the main by NFL people. All right? Let's say Brian Cushing has a bad week. You know what happens next? They go back and go, you know, he missed a number of games. He was dinged here. You know, he didn't have a flash there, blah, blah, blah. Let's say Clay Matthews Jr. has a bad week. Well, now he's got a million questions to answer because he's the guy who came the farthest, the former walk-on, who became a starter only in the senior year, but played well enough to be second-team all-pack 10 and have Pete Carroll say, hey, we should have played him more at Oregon State. We wouldn't have lost the game, blah, 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 blah. 
Does that make any sense? To me, it's the body of work you bring with you really lends itself to importance of the week of practice and the games, but it doesn't totally form your impression. It, but, but, but the bottom line to me is if you bring, the more you bring with you, the less important the week is, although I hope I'm making myself clear. It's always important, but you will have more people give you benefit of the doubt if you're bringing with you a huge body of work. If you haven't brought a huge body of work, if you've brought the question marks, then every bit of the week is important, including the game. Now, for all three of the USC guys, I think all of them showed very, very well. I don't think there was any question about any of the work that they got done during the week. In fact, I think Clay Matthews Jr. probably jumped himself up to knocking on the door in the second round. I think Brian Cushing and Ray Maluga it'll be hard for them to get out of the first round at this point. I think Patrick Turner, the wide receiver, really jumped up and grabbed people's attention in this ball game. I think people looked at him, oh my God, six five, he can do this, he can do that. And I think that he's elevated himself to where they're going to look at him a little bit more by what they did during the week. You know, there were other guys, Ryan, that didn't have a great week of practice. I'll just give you an example. Ramsey Barton from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, one of the better receivers in the country coming from one double-A level. People wanted to see how he would react to a whole week of practice versus some of the top corners and defensive backs in the, in the country. Didn't show great burst, didn't show great separation, showed a nice set of hands. And now instead of vaulting himself forward, people are now saying, ah, maybe he's more of a developmental guy. So that week and the ball game, in a sense, made people go back and scramble their evaluation of him. So that's how that week goes. All right. Well, we're with Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox Sports talking all about the Senior Bowl. And uh, Charles has all kinds of great opinions on especially the USC players. And before we get into some of the specifics about those guys, uh, there's some questions that pop up sometimes. And I think a lot of the people on the USC message boards on, on uscfootball.com, they like talking about that all the big-name USC players do like to go to this game. I mean, they had nine players last year ago. They had six players this year. They're, but some of the top, or, you know, some of the top ep- echelon players, I guess you could say, uh, like Curry out of uh, Wake Forest, don't always participate in the game. Do you think that's, that's good for those guys? Or why do you think some of those players won't actually participate in the, the All-Star games like that? Well, I think it comes back to what do you have to prove? And for some people, they would have said, why is Ray Maluga here at this ball game? He doesn't need to be here. But he's the type of kid, and it's well-documented with USC, almost to the point where people who don't understand get skeptical. And I think you've probably seen this along the way, Ryan, where they go, don't hear about it. USC competes in everything. You know, know, take away Tuesday, the competitive Wednesday, and blah, 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 blah. And after a while, people get tired of hearing it. But that's so true. And the USC kids, I think they compete whether you're playing a game of tiddlywinks or you're out there in in seven-on-seven or Oklahoma drill. That's just how they are. And they show up and continue to compete, and they just love to play. Other kids, but by them not being there, doesn't mean that they don't love to play. A lot of times it means that they may have an agent that says, look, you're, you're a lock for the first round. You're going to show well at the combine. Your numbers are going to be terrific. We don't need to go down there and risk any sort of injury. And I understand that school of thought. That happens a lot. That's why some of the guys don't show up or guys commit early and then they come, then they pull out late. You know, most times they say it's an injury, but we all know that a lot of times it's just, hey, there's no sense in us going and doing that. And then they answer some questions later, and off they go. And people get fixated on it, and I think almost to the point where they're doing a disservice to some of the kids. Because uh, here's my other example. Do you remember the Brady Quinn to Marcus Russell deal a couple of years ago? Certainly. You know, he was the top quarterback. Yeah. Marcus Russell came out a year early, I believe, so he wasn't eligible for the Senior Bowl anyway. But then we get to the combine, 
and Brady Quinn goes through the interviews, goes through the physicals, actually lifts, does the bench press, does like 225, 24 times, shows he's not afraid of anything. I think the only thing he didn't do really was run and throw. Um, Jamarcus Russell went through nothing. And all of a sudden, everybody goes, oh, my God, look at this. You know, Quinn showing himself. Quinn's in shape. Jamarcus Russell's not in shape, blah, blah. Who was the first pick of the draft? <laughs> yeah, Russell for sure. <laughs> all right. And so, you know, and Quinn, we went through the poor thing where we all agonized watching him drop. And thank God for Commissioner Roger Goodell, actually, for the first time, having compassion and taking the kid out of the camera range before he finally got picked by Cleveland at 22 when they made the trade. I'm not saying that there's no bearing again. I think there's a lot of bearing on the senior bowl, but it's not the be-all, end-all too when you have to, when you talk about talent of the nature of a Quinn or a Russell or maybe an Aaron Curry who didn't come or Brian Arakpo at Texas. They put the skins on the wall already. They don't necessarily have to be there. I think, you know, let's face it, NFL's guys would love for them to see every opportunity, but at the end of the day, does it truly stop people from taking people? I don't think so, because I remember Chris Long playing in the Senior Bowl last year either. No, that's a good point. It's a good point. I, I guess the, the USC fans do kind of hang their hat on. They love that the players always go out, even if you're a surefire first-round pick, like you said, Cushing, Malaluga, and stuff, and right. they still head out there. But that, that's good. It's, yeah, and, and, it does, and it doesn't hurt those guys one bit. In fact, they probably get bonus points for being there. But you know, you know as well as I do, if they get hurt in that game, they don't get drafted in the same spot because they got bonus points for showing up. And that's something that everyone has to weigh, and each guy goes about it differently. So that's why, you know, as we go out and we extol those guys that come, we love it. It's great for us, especially us TV guys. They're broadcasting it. They make it better for us. We're also holding our breath for these young men to please don't let them get hurt. Please don't let anything go wrong because they won't get drafted in the same spot. They will lose money by being hurt, which is a big reason why you see a lot of guys not come to that game. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys did look like you were having a fun time broadcasting the game. Um, you tried to stay warm there, right? Next year, <laughs> come down and hang out with us again. You've been there before. You know what the weather's like in there. So, you know, you take that little white jacket because the sun's out in the morning, and all of a sudden it shifts and changes by 20 degrees. Yeah. And you're like, where's my heavy jacket? I know. So, you know, you've been there. You've experienced it. Yeah, but I was eating Steak and Shake and Waffle House, and you were at the uh, fancy restaurants and stuff. We, we did a little differently. <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> That's a good one. You, you, know, you know we were bumping into each other. I was trying to get a table at Waffle House at the same time. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we'll kick on. Um, you mentioned Patrick Turner a little bit. It, it almost looked like you know, the, the quarterbacks were kind of going to him a little bit in the game. He only had three catches for about 30 yards, but they, you know, they were, it looked like they were kind of targeting him a little bit in the game. Do you think Patrick Turner helped his stock by playing? Oh, I think without a doubt he helped his stock by playing. You know better than me on this one because you've been around and, and, and feel free to make sure tell me that I'm totally off track. But he's one of those guys that came out of high school, highly touted, as many USC recruits are because they recruit the best players in the country and kids want to go to USC. And everyone just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for that big play potential to happen, kept waiting to see the Mike Williams in college, to see the Dwayne Jarrett in college, you know, guys he was compared to by build and frame, although I think he's probably faster. You know, it's just sheer foot speed than those guys. But they kept waiting. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Really, from my standpoint, from the outside looking in, the last half of his senior year, we've really started to see Patrick Turner emerge. That's why I thought the senior bowl week was big for him. And here's two things that he did for himself. Number one, he ran routes really well. I think he caught the ball better than maybe he was given credit for. And last but not least, he showed a lot of toughness. One player who came down, I'm going to leave him nameless because this is not supposed to be a slam time, okay. but he came 
hurt an ankle. They, they told him he could rehab it, probably be ready to play in the game. He elected to go home, decided, hey, I'm not going to risk anything. I'm done. Patrick Turner had a bad ankle, practiced all week long, played in the ball game. I think that ups his toughness quotient, and he gets bonus points for that one, too. So I thought he had a nice week overall, and I think you're right. They were looking for him. He's a huge target, but I think that that is also developed during the week in practice when quarterbacks feel like, hey, there's a guy I can depend on. And let's be honest about it. Going into that ball game, all the quarterbacks had huge question marks on them about whether they could play. So what are you going to do in a game like that? You're going to go to people you trust. <laughs> that, that, that tells me that Patrick Turner earned the trust of his quarterbacks on his team. That's a really good point. And I, I guess you mentioned uh, like Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett, who guys that haven't really developed in the NFL. Maybe it'll work the opposite for, for yeah, Patrick yeah, Turner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have the big numbers in college. Maybe in the pros it could turn out. But I, I think that he did a nice job. And Pete Carroll was stopped by practice one day, and, and he does a great job of getting out and recruiting nationally. And, used it as a recruiting trip and then went and showed his guys because, you know, they all got the picture of Philly Moala was there. We haven't even talked about him, the big defensive tackle, and all the rest of the guys. And he told Lindsey Soto, who was working with us at, at, at NFL Network, and she's an, she's an old Trojan grad, too, and he yeah. told her one of the things that gets overlooked about Patrick Turner are his feet and how quick he is in and out of breaks, how well he runs routes. And, and while he's six foot five with that torso, he, still, he said he almost has short legs which allows him to do a better job with breaks and cuts that you don't normally associate a six-foot-five-inch uh, wide receiver with. But that was an excellent point. It was something we looked out for the rest of the week. Uh, and if you, you look at the defensive side of the ball, five the five USC defensive players all started in the game, including yeah. all three linebackers and Clay Matthews, who you mentioned before. You know, wasn't even he's playing defensive end uh, most <laughs> you know most of the year. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to get like, maybe a couple of comments on those. And we haven't talked about Feely Moala. Kyle Moore, both of the uh, you know defensive tackle and defensive end, respectively, come of the guys up front, how they end up showing in the game. Yeah, I thought that. I'll start with Philly Moala, since we've talked about the linebackers a bunch. But he had a really nice week of practice. I mean, we got to see Philly play inside at the defensive tackle. You know, we you know we love to use those buzz phrases, right? Hey, he was a three technique inside, and he wreaked havoc, and he was doing a great job. That's an inside defensive tackle for the lay people out there. And, you know, we, we, every now and then we, we have to check ourselves about our terminology. And, you know, he can kick out, so he can kick out and put five technique against the, you know, the 3-4, which is the base anchor defensive end. Five technique means you're going to play over the tackle, play defensive end, play a little bit wider, but you're not playing that speed-rushing defensive end that you would play in a 4-3 where you're lined up with what they call a 9 or a loose 9 technique way outside the shoulder of the tackle because you want to get upfield and rush the passer. He's much more of an anchor guy, although he does show plenty of quickness getting inside. I thought he had a really nice week, especially flashed in the one-on-one drills where he, people had a hard time blocking him. And, you know, Mike Mack, I've talked about, hey, consistency is going to be the big deal for him this week, showing that he can consistently get it done. I thought he did that. I thought he had a nice week doing that. The three linebackers, we talked about them already. My goodness. I mean, just you, you watch them. They look terrific. We had a great shot of, uh, of uh, Clay Matthews Jr. and Brian Cushing in pregame standing next to each other on the sidelines getting ready for the anthem. You know, they've got that long hair. they got the <laughs> eye black going. And I just looked over at Mayock, and we didn't say this on there. I said, I said to Mayock and Bob Papa, who, who did the game, we all did the game together, I said, tell me, do they not look like – a tag team wrestling duo right now. I've got all the eye black on and the tape. I said, just hand them the belt to be done with it because I'm not getting in the ring with those guys. I mean, it was just a perfect shot. I wish you could have seen it. We all, we got a great kick out of it. But look, they all started, right? Moala started. 
is there any is there any reason to doubt the intelligence of a coaching staff by starting those four guys? And it doesn't hurt that the coach of the team they play for is a former Trojan himself, one Jack <laughs> Del Rio. So those guys were going to be in the starting lineup, and, and the big thing is they deserved it anyway. Yeah, he knows a little bit about linebackers, so I'm sure There's he's happy. a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Charles, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us this morning, joining us and uh, on our little podcast here. And I'm sure all the Trojan fans are going to appreciate your insights and stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again in the future. Well, anytime. You know that. and appreciate you taking the time to give me a call and uh, take care of yourself, okay? Oh, thank you very much, everyone else. That was our show for this week. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week for National Signing Day, probably our biggest show of the year. So stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.